This morning we're going to be looking at uh, what could possibly be described as one of the most relevant stories uh, to our lives today. And it comes from John chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verses 19 to 23 to start with. Uh, And what it is, is it's the story of Jesus appearing to the disciples in the upper room after his resurrection. And what's incredible about this story is, is that the disciples have locked themselves away in this room uh, because it says they're afraid of the Jewish leaders. And so they are locked up in fear. Now, remember, Judas has hanged himself. Uh, we know Thomas isn't there, so it's possible that there's only 10 disciples in the room, no more than 10 people meeting together in one place, and they are locked down. And as I was reading this story, I got me thinking, what if, uh, what if our current situation, the, the lockdown that we are currently living in, it's, it, it's a physical state, But what if it's actually a reflection of a spiritual condition that we've been living in much longer? We've physically been locked down in our houses with our families, uh, maybe on our own for the last uh, month, month and a half, something like that. But spiritually, some of us have been living in lockdown for much longer than that. We've allowed fear to uh, cause us to to lock ourselves down. Uh, We don't share about Jesus. We don't pray for the sick. We don't Uh, ask for the Holy Spirit's power because, frankly, we don't really need it. We are locked down by fear. Uh, Fear of disappointment, uh, maybe fear of what happened last time. Uh, Maybe it's the fear of what if. If I do this, what would happen? What could happen? What if it doesn't go the way I think it will go? And so we're going to pick up the the, uh, reading this morning in John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. This is what it says, is that evening the disciples gathered together and because they were afraid of reprisal from the Jewish leaders, they had locked the doors to the place where they met. But suddenly Jesus appeared among them and he said, peace to you. Now we often breeze over these verses and, and you know, maybe we think, oh, how foolish of the disciples to lock themselves in a room. But actually... I think if we take a moment and look at this, most of us would respond like the disciples did. After all, they had apprenticed under Jesus, and now he had died three days ago, and they hid. They ran away. They were really afraid. They were scared of the Jewish leaders. They were concerned for their own well-being, their own safety. And maybe the reason we breeze through that is because we're actually living in the fulfillment of this story. But they hadn't seen that fulfillment yet. They didn't have the testimony of Jesus' resurrection yet. They just had the test. The the Lord and Messiah who they had chosen to follow, the one who had calmed the storm, had opened the eyes of the blind, who had healed lepers and raised Lazarus from the dead, he was gone. And at best they had the words of a prophet. They were in the middle of their darkest hour. In the middle of their lockdown, in the middle of their fear, in the middle of their disappointment, these were their darkest days. They never expected that their life would look like this. This is not what they had in mind when they had planned out what was going to happen in their lives, what was going to happen in the coming year. But what's incredible is Jesus appears right in the middle right in the middle of their fear. And you remember this from last week, the road road to Emmaus, Jesus appears right beside them. 
And in this passage, again, Jesus appears right in the middle. Right in the middle of the fear, right in the middle of the disappointment, the discouragement. Right in the middle of their lockdown. And in Luke chapter 24, uh, Luke accounts this same passage, or the same story. After he greets them with peace, this is what he says in Luke 24, verse 38. He says, why would you be so frightened? Don't let doubt or fear enter your heart. And then he shows them his hands and, and the wound in his side. But the question that Jesus is asking, why are you so frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? And you know, the thing is, the, the, the fact that Jesus asks this question implies that there's a choice. In that moment, as much as it seemed like the realistic, normal thing to do, to lock yourself in a room, be afraid, to go into lockdown because of what has happened in the past, Jesus is saying there's a choice. You have a choice to walk in fear. You have a choice to spiritually lock yourselves down. It's, it, it may feel like the best thing to do at the time, but it is still a choice. See, here's the thing. Fear is a very poor excuse to, to do something. And at some point, we have to either make a choice to continue in fear or to choose to believe Jesus who is appearing before us in the middle of our fear. In John 2020, it's a great verse for this year. John 20, verse 20. This is what it says. He says, Then he showed them the wounds of his hands and his side, and they were overjoyed to see the Lord with their own eyes. You see, in that moment, they had the choice to remain in fear, to continue with the thing that put them in lockdown, that caused them to lock the doors, the fear that they had experienced. Or they had a choice to choose joy. Because joy is also a choice. But here's the thing. Joy didn't come from a change in their circumstances. Joy came by seeing Jesus. The, the Greek word here, where it says they were filled with joy or they rejoiced, it, it actually means they were well, that they thrived, that, that, that there was a thriving because of what they saw before them. It's not just describing that they felt happy or, or um, elated because now Jesus was, had risen from the dead and was standing before them. But in their lives, everything was well. They, were, they went from lockdown in fear to thriving in one moment because they saw Jesus. It was a triumphant, victorious posture of joy. But what, what caused it? Had the Jewish leaders disappeared? Had all their problems gone away? Were they able to go out in freedom now? Did people stop hating them? Had the discouragement that they'd been wrestling with over the last few days just vanished? No, what happened is they saw Jesus in the midst of their circumstances. Joy doesn't come from our circumstances. It comes from seeing Jesus in the middle of our situation. Joy doesn't come because you're having a great day or because everything's going great in your life. Joy comes from seeing Jesus in the middle of your life, appearing right in front of you in the midst of everything that's going on, everything that you're struggling with, wrestling with, seeing Him appear. That's where joy comes from. That's where we discover joy. 
You know, often we think, well, I will be joyful when this situation is over. When I can go back to my normal life, when I can visit with friends, when I can just go back to life as, as usual. We think, you know, at that point, then I'll be joyful. Maybe you've thought, you know, I will be joyful when my marriage starts to come together and work. Or when my kids stopped acting uh, and, and rebelling. Or I'll be joyful when I get this job or that job or when I have a house. But I would bet you, if that's your mindset, I would bet you that you probably weren't joyful before that situation began. If you're saying to yourself, you know, I would be, I'll, I'll be so joyful. I'll, I'll, I'll be joyful when uh, COVID is over. But I would bet you that before COVID started, you probably weren't joyful. Because one, joy is a choice. And it comes from seeing Jesus in the middle of the situation in front of you. Joy doesn't come for the lack of trials and, and sorrows, but it's actually seen most effectively in the middle of sorrow. That's when, that's when joy stands out and contrasts itself with just contentment or happiness. In Romans 14, verses 17 to 18, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, but it is the realm of the Holy Spirit, filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. You see, one-third of the kingdom of God is joy. It's in the nature of God. It's in, the, in His presence, in His kingdom. That's where we find joy. It's spending time with Him. And, uh, Paul continues in Romans, he says, Serving the Anointed One by walking in these kingdom realities pleases God's and earn." pleases God and earns the respect of others. We are called to not just uh, partner with joy when it's comfortable, but we are called to manifest the kingdom of God on earth. Right? That's why Jesus prays, your will on earth as it is in heaven. And so if joy is, is part of the culture of heaven, then we're called to manifest joy in our lives, to choose joy in our lives, to live out joy, to walk in those things. Because Romans, Paul says in Romans that those things please God and earn the respect of others. When we walk in joy, when we walk in righteousness, and when we walk in peace. And so it's in the moments of trial, it's in the moments of uh, being locked down, where we being being caught up in fear and discouragement, maybe disappointment, that we have an opportunity. Those are the moments where we least feel like living out joy. And yet they're the moments where it's the most vital for us to choose joy. And so Jesus here in John 20, verse 20, he shows up and it says that that the disciples are overjoyed at seeing him with their own eyes, seeing him right in front of them in the midst of their situation. And then Jesus, uh, he sends them, he says, I'm sending you just as, as I've been sent. But then he takes a deep breath. In John 20, verse 22, it says, Then taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins, and people's sins will be forgiven. 
But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. Now maybe you know this, but the Bible talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. The evidence of the Holy Spirit living in our lives is that we are overflowing with joy. We're overflowing with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And in this moment, Jesus comes and he breathes on the disciples. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. He's releasing the Holy Spirit to the disciples. I believe at that moment they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit for life, to dwell in them, to fill them with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Being that joy, being peace. So that they could actually move beyond the, the thing that had locked them down in fear. They could actually leave the room of their lockdown. And that they could actually follow his command to go out the way he was sending them. See, if you go to the beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 2, the disciples receive the Holy Spirit, but it talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Now the Holy Spirit comes in us for life, for transformation, for, for justification before God but he comes on us for power. And in releasing the Holy Spirit to them, breathing over them in this moment, he releases to them resurrection life. The power of resurrection is the power over death. And here the disciples were, they were locked in a room for fear of death. And Jesus was releasing to them the Holy Spirit. He was breathing over them. He releases them uh, releases to them the Holy Spirit, breathes on them, and then he says, I send you to preach. Do you notice what, what happens here? They receive the Holy Spirit so that they can leave the room for the purpose of going out to the nations and preaching. To carrying that life to everyone they meet. And we know from the passage in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke that Jesus says, go into all the nations, preach the good news, baptizing them and teaching them to follow all that I've commanded you. And then Jesus also says that they are to remain in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon them and wraps around them, that that is the Holy Spirit coming uh, for power, that they could move in the power of the Holy Spirit, that they would see uh, miraculous signs and wonders, that they would speak in tongues. But Jesus first releases to them the Holy Spirit for life for their life, to be free from their lockdown. You see, resurrection power brings the nature and culture of heaven because it's not power absent of a person, but it's the power because of a person. It's the same Spirit, remember from, from a few weeks ago, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. Joy is the result of His presence with us. In Psalm 1611, David says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So how do we get out of this lockdown? How do we get out of the lockdown of fear? How do we get out of the lockdown of disappointment and discouragement? The thing that's caused us to go into lockdown to protect ourselves. You see, I believe if we're going to get out of lockdown, we need to choose to live out joy instead. 
in the midst of our circumstances. And, and I wrestle with this. I, I do. I, I don't find it easy to live out joy. I have moments where, where I feel like I'm doing really well with living out joy, but then something will happen and, and I'll get caught in the, the funk of life or, or get covered in discouragement or disappointment. But we need to choose to live out joy because joy moves us forward. Joy actually moves us out of lockdown into uh, abundant, thriving life. And remember, this is joy that is anchored in the presence of Jesus. It's not just a happiness and a content feeling, but it is a joy that is overwhelming. So how do we choose joy? How do we discover joy? Part of the secret of discovering joy is actually hidden in Psalm 23. The very end of Psalm 23, this is what it says in the Passion Translation. Verse 6, it says, So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterwards, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. What it says in Psalm 23 is that your goodness and love pursues me all the days of my life. But how many of us believe that? Do you believe that God's goodness is pursuing you? You know, there's the... We often say, you know, God is good, and we're like, yes, God is good. Amen. We believe that. But joy is found in recognizing the goodness of God. In recognizing His goodness. Discovering it for yourself. We discover who He is. Not Sometimes, you see, it's, it's easy to believe that God is good for somebody else. We see Him come through. We see Him provide in somebody else's life. But then we struggle to believe that He's good for us. That actually His goodness is pursuing you. That regardless if you have been a follower of Jesus, or maybe this is your first time in church, I want to let you know that God's goodness is and has been pursuing you. And will continue. He will continue to pursue you all the days of your life. That's just so how good He is. You see, Jesus is so good that He will present Himself in the middle of your lockdown, in the middle of your fear. He will appear in the room with you. And while you're still surprised by the fact that He's present, He will proceed to continue to show you how real and present He is. He will show you the wounds in His hands and in His side, just like He did for the disciples. That's how good He is. And His goodness is for you. His thoughts, all His thoughts about you are good. Some of you, you believe that, that God is good, but you don't believe that He is good towards you. That His thoughts about you are good. That He has good plans for you. So start by looking for the good things in your life. Because I believe you'll discover the goodness of God in those things. Look for the good in your situation because you'll discover the goodness of God in those moments. You see, if we keep reading in John chapter 20, it says, One of the twelve wasn't present when Jesus appeared to them, and it was Thomas whose nickname was the twin. 
So the disciples informed him, we have seen the Lord with our own eyes. Still unconvinced, Thomas replied, there's no way I'm going to believe this unless I personally see the wounds of the nails in his hands and touch them with my fingers and put my hand into the wound of his side where he was pierced. Then eight days later, Thomas and all the others were in the house together, and even though all the doors were locked, Jesus suddenly stood before them. Peace to you, he said. Then looking into Thomas' uh, Thomas's eyes, he said, Put your finger here in the wound of my hand. Here, put your hand into my wounded side and see for yourself. Thomas, don't give in to your doubts any longer. Just believe. You see, Thomas gets a bad rap in this story. Because we know from Luke's account that even though the disciples saw, they still were hesitant to believe. All Thomas was asking for in this passage was the same experience that Jesus had provided to all the other disciples. Jesus had shown himself to them and he had said, look, see my hand, see my side, touch me. See that I am here, that I am real. And Thomas was saying, I just want that same encounter. I just want to experience his goodness the way the other disciples experienced his goodness. And you'll notice that Jesus doesn't show up and and rebuke Thomas. Instead, what he does is he shows up and he shows himself to Thomas. He says, look, here's my hands. Put your hand in my, the hole in my hand. Touch my side. Don't give in to doubt any longer. I believe you need to know this morning that God will show his goodness to you. When you ask him to show up, when you say, Jesus, just I want to I know you. Come and show yourself in my life. I want to see your goodness. So first look for his look for the good things in your life because you will start to find his goodness in those places. And secondly, believe for it. Ask for it. Allow him to show up to you in your life because he will do it. Stop looking for what the devil is doing and start looking for the goodness of God in your life. The good things he is doing, whether Whether you would call yourself a follower of Jesus or not, He is still pursuing you with His goodness. His love for you hasn't changed, it doesn't change, and His goodness doesn't change. In Psalm 27, verse 13, David says, Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. We don't have to wait until we die to experience the presence of God and to experience the uh, the joy and the goodness that comes from knowing Him. It's meant to be something that we experience in the land of the living, that we experience His goodness in our lives, in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our disappointment, in the midst of our discouragement, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our pain. We can experience and discover the goodness of God. You see, resurrection life brings the culture of heaven into our lives. It's anchored in God's goodness. It's anchored in the fact that we know that all his thoughts are good thoughts. That he is a good God with good thoughts and good plans and good purposes for our lives. And that his favor pursues us all the days of our lives. That his goodness pursues you. That his favor is not because of something you've done, but it's because of the justification that we receive through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. 
and that we enter into by believing in faith. So look for the goodness, the good things in your lives and discover the goodness of God in those moments. The second thing we can do to discover joy in our lives, to, to choose joy, is that we can choose to serve a purpose bigger than ourselves. You see, joy is found in surrender. So often we've believed that our lives are about us finding fulfillment, us finding purpose, us finding pleasure. But it's actually in finding purpose that's bigger than ourself that we discover joy. You see, after the disciples see Jesus in their situation, it says they have joy. And then Jesus sends them. He commissions them to the nations. He says, just as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. And then again in verse 23, I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins. The disciples aren't just partnering with their past experience. They're not just partnering with what brings them pleasure. Finding joy in surrender is not just, not just about partnering with what gives us pleasure or what makes us happy. But real lasting joy is about finding something or someone to give your life up for. To give up your comfort for. That's what it means to follow Jesus. When we choose to follow Jesus, we turn directions. We, go, we were going in the direction of our own pleasure and our own comfort. And we change directions and we start going after the pleasure of Jesus. Everything we do, we do for Him. And so if we are going to discover joy in the lockdown, if we're going to discover joy in the midst of our fear and our discouragement, if we're going to actually move out of that room that fear has put us in, where we've locked the door, if we're actually going to get past that, it takes us looking for ways to serve and give up our lives, give up our comfort, give up our own pleasure, to partner with God's bigger purpose. We discover joy rooted in His presence. But we do it when we give up our lives for something greater. Jesus says that we're to take up our cross and follow Him. He also says that the greatest love anyone can have is to lay down their life for their brother. And when we move beyond what's good or what's comfortable for me, we can actually discover joy. We can actually discover that kind of reality in the midst of whatever trial we're facing by choosing to live out surrender, by choosing to give up our own comfort to discover joy. Church, living out resurrection life requires a death. I have to die to myself in order to experience His life. I have to choose to give up my pleasure and to follow Him every single day. Resurrection. In order for there to be a resurrection, there has to be a death. Otherwise, it's not called resurrection. By faith, we enter in to resurrection life by the death of Jesus. But we live out resurrection life by our own deaths, by laying down our lives, by choosing to repent, to turn the other direction. Instead of pursuing our pleasure, we pursue what pleases Jesus.
we choose to give up our lives and to follow him, to take up our cross. And it's in that that we actually discover joy, that we actually discover what it looks like to live in joy in the midst of trial, in the midst of fear. And in James 1, James says this, he says, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. You see, whatever you're going through right now, you have this incredible opportunity before you to experience the greatest joy by your choice to surrender, by living for a purpose bigger than your own pleasure, by, by discovering the goodness of God in the midst of that trial. James continues on and says that it's because trials build perseverance and they, they lead to maturity. And that's exactly what God wants to do in you in this time. For you to experience that joy so that you can move into a greater level of maturity, that you can experience more of the presence of Jesus. That you can see Him present in the moment that you are walking through right now. As you look for His goodness in your life, it will bring joy. And as you choose to surrender, it will bring joy. And that joy will set you free from the spiritual lockdown that you've been living in. Some of you might be thinking right now, but I don't feel called. I don't feel like I'm worthy. I don't feel like I'm qualified. I've screwed up too much for God to use me. But I want to tell you that's a lie. And if you'll tune in next week, next Sunday we're going to be looking at exactly that, the calling of God on your life. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask this morning that you would meet with each person. That you would come right into the middle of their situation, in the middle of their circumstances, and that they would see you and that they would discover your joy. I ask that you would reveal yourself to them undeniably, just like you did to Thomas. Jesus, we're sorry for any time that we've chosen our pleasure or our comfort instead of pursuing your purpose, where we've allowed ourselves to be locked down by fear, discouragement, uh, disappointment, what's happened in the past, the what-ifs. And this morning, right now, we choose to partner in faith with your goodness to experience your joy, to choose joy, today and every day here from here forward. In Jesus' name.